This lightning could power the grid. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. As the crisis in the Colorado River Basin keeps getting worse, the federal government warned two months ago that unless the seven states that rely on its water agreed on reductions by mid-August, it would impose cutbacks. But last week, the deadline passed, and the feds, well, they didn't do much. The river basin that serves farmers and 40 million people, including those in Los Angeles, Phoenix, and Denver, is in a long-term drought that's been ratcheted up by climate change. The southwest is now warmer and drier. The Bureau of Reclamation wanted the seven states to agree on a plan to reduce their consumption by up to 4 million acre-feet. When they didn't, instead of imposing drastic reductions, the agency announced some additional small cutbacks to Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico, but nothing near the amount it said the states had to self-impose. There's a divide between the upper basin states of Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and New Mexico, and the lower basin states of California, Arizona, and Nevada. Those in the upper basin say the system is out of balance because the lower basin, California in particular, is taking more than their agreed-upon share and must learn to live with less. Others say each state in the Colorado River Basin must share in cuts and conservation to save the way of life for all in the system. The situation remains uncertain, which, according to some, is the fault of the federal government. Rhett Larson, a water law professor at Arizona State University, told the Denver Post that an agreement over cutbacks was needed yesterday, and every day that passes, the problem gets worse and harder to solve. Compounds called forever chemicals might not be forever after a new study shows they can be destroyed. PFAS compounds have been used in cosmetics, nonstick cookware, and water-repellent fabrics, and they don't break down naturally. They accumulate in the body and are found nearly everywhere and in everyone, posing a threat to human health by increasing risks of cancer, liver damage, and low birth weights. However, scientists at Northwestern University have found an inexpensive, simple, and effective way to destroy PFAS compounds by mixing them with two cheap reagents and bringing them to a low boil. The process deconstructed the chemicals, leaving only benign parts in just a matter of hours. There have been successful efforts to filter PFAS compounds out of water, but few methods to dispose of them after their removal. The authors say their technique could provide that solution. There are about 12,000 types of PFAS compounds, and this study, while promising, only looked at 10 of them. Now the team will try their method on the others. Through photosynthesis, plants convert sunlight into food. More specifically, they use water, carbon dioxide from the air, and the sun's energy to create sugars as their fuel to grow. Taking inspiration from nature, researchers at the University of Cambridge have developed floating artificial leaves that can generate clean fuels, which one day could be a sustainable alternative to oil and gas. Unlike solar panels on a roof that use photovoltaics to generate electricity, 
Their floating leaves are made from a flexible plastic coated with materials that can capture energy from sunlight to produce hydrogen. And because the leaves could drift on lakes or oceans, they might be a better option than biofuels, which are made from non-food crops that take up a lot of space on land and use significant amounts of water to grow. Potentially, fuels from floating leaves at sea could also help decarbonize cargo ships, which run on heavy oil and release significant amounts of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. The researchers say more work is needed to scale up their three-inch square prototype, but it's an exciting development that could help turn over a new leaf in clean fuel technology. And speaking of clean fuel technology, finally this week, could your next car be a home power plant? If it's Ford's new F-150 Lightning electric truck, it might be. The F-150 Lightning EV with a large battery was designed to power a home for up to 10 days during outages through its bi-directional or two-way charging technology. And now through a pilot program with Duke Energy in North Carolina, the truck might also supply the grid by offering reduced lease payments to 100 customers who allow the utility to tap into their EV batteries during peak demand. Known as Vehicle to Grid Integration, or V2G, the program would pull energy three times a month in winter and summer when demand is highest and once per month for the rest of the year. Not only would the program support the grid, but also provide research around V2G technology, which, as Clean Technica writes, could be a massive boost to our renewable energy transition. Imagine, they say, if utilities didn't have to invest millions in infrastructure, but could instead harness electricity from our cars. That's it for this week in water. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.